Hello, my name is Adam Eason. Welcome to episode 120 of Hypnosis Weekly. Hello there, hypnosis friends, and a very warm welcome to Hypnosis Weekly. Once again, in my own highly biased opinion, I think I have a top-notch show lined up for you today. In a short while, I'm going to be sharing with you this week's interview with my guest, Tracy Grist. Uh, Then we'll have this week's hypnosis in the news stories. Yes, indeed, it's actually back. I'm actually going to discuss hypnosis in the news Uh, examining the media where hypnosis is featured, offering up some general subjective commentary on the ways that hypnosis gets portrayed in the media. Uh, We then return with our professional discussion with my guest, Tracy Grist. We'll be talking about her work, um, dealing with narcissistic abuse, complex trauma, and also discussing her work and vision for uh, the NCH, uh, of of which she's the the current chairperson. Uh, We'll round things off with this week's hypnosis evidence-based factoid before I bid you farewell for another week. Um, As I said at the beginning of every Hypnosis Weekly episode, this podcast is something that I want to encompass a feeling of embracing diversity, celebrating the field of hypnosis and encouraging friendly, professional, enjoyable discussion and debate, as well as doing its best to inform and educate. I do not share the same stance as most of our guests and at times have major differences in approach and leaning, but all are incredibly lovely people who I'd happily talk with until late in the pub and all of whom following their time here on Hypnosis Weekly I have a great deal of respect for. If you have questions, queries, thoughts or feedback do get in touch via the Hypnosis Weekly website. Uh, all the references made in the discussions along with related links are posted in the episode notes section at iTunes uh, as well as on Stitcher um, and, and, and on each episode's page on the website www.hypnosis-weekly.com. Uh, you can add your thoughts there, any comments or suggestions uh, too. Uh, please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter and anywhere else to help us reach more of the hypnosis community. It's greatly appreciated. If you enjoy this podcast, please do go give us a favourable rating, even a review at iTunes. Uh, I'll be a BFF if you do. And it takes just a couple of seconds, just a couple of clicks um, and does us a world of good. Um, so on to today. So first of all, today is this week's interview with Tracy Grist. Um, Tracy doesn't know this. I've not told her this before, but she is pretty much the only person in the last five years that I have had as a friend on my personal Facebook account that I had not met when I accepted her friend request. Um, and this is a big thing, okay? You know, I'm hoping that you all understand the seriousness at this point that I'm making. That is, you know, I, um, I keep my work and my personal account separate on Facebook. I prefer to keep pictures of my children private. And I, I got a little bit bored um, um, and, and, you know, quite scared on occasions of unusual people from faraway lands commenting on pictures, telling me what a nice mouth my wife had. Um, and uh, I, I still have to admin a great many things at Facebook with my personal account. Um, um, and um, 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 usually I have to send an email that I've readily prepared to explain the reason for not accepting the, the friend requests of other hypnotherapists, for example, that I've never met or people that are interested in my work um, um, if I've not met them in real life. 
Um, but I accepted Tracy's request. Um, and that was because I really like her and and felt like I'd gotten to know her through a number of interactions that we'd had um, prior to then. Um, um, and, and I've since met her and so she qualifies anyway. Now, I met Tracy just recently, in fact, and while I was uh, one of the speakers at the NCH uh, um, um, annual conference, and I was I was initially struck by the humility that she displayed and almost a reluctance to take any limelight, um, given her pivotal role. Um, and when she came onto the stage at the very end of the day to thank everyone and, and, and discuss a few points, and then we then chatted for a while in the bar afterwards and we discussed a, a great many topics that led me to really want her to come and be a guest on this podcast and um, um, you know she, she, she displays and, and did display to me a real passion and enthusiasm for the field of hypnotherapy that I found incredibly endearing and she has a vision for the field that I love and and you know that is I love people who are visionaries of any kind um, so I invited her on the show and she duly accepted so let's get on with it shall we for now Get comfy, my friends. Turn up the volume. Sip on your tea. Enjoy this week's interview with my guest, Tracy Grist. So, as I've just been discussing, I am delighted to welcome this week's guest, the one and only Tracy Grist. Tracy, welcome to Hypnosis Weekly. Thank you very much, Adam. Nice to be here. So, so let, let's learn a little bit about you. You know, for those for those who don't know you in particular, who are tuning in, tell us a little bit about about your background. You know, how did you get into your uh, how did you get into this field? You know, and what your background is, and how you've arrived at these lofty heights where you are now, uh, speaking to me on this podcast. Um, I think probably it started many moons ago. So, I'm a second lifer. This wasn't my primary career. I started <laughs> off life. Um, as an artist, I wanted to make stained glass windows, which I did. Oh, wow. I loved it, loved it, and um, just became very lonely because the more work you had, the more on your own you were. And um, it just felt for me like something needed to change. And I wasn't really sure what what to do and sort of the ongoing theme of my life has been do I want to pursue the sort of art side the creative side or do I want to help people and work with people so right from the very beginning there was this sort of do I do psychology because that was what was available at the time or do I do glass and art and expression and thought well I'll probably never come back to art if I don't do it first so went for that route and part of the reason why I wanted to do stained glass is my primary sort of work field is about is with the senses more than sort of visually and for me stained glass was all about evoking the senses plus you know traditionally it's the storyline of selling religion and just it's just another way of persuading people really to come and join a club so um yeah I don't know I I think that's it's been a passion of mine around the sort of words what else comes with them really so yeah and then I sort of gave it all up and started training as a counsellor 
and really loved the training, loved everything about it, loved the learning, loved all the sort of influences that we can have, you know, from growing up to being an adult and thought, fantastic, fantastic. And then was like, where's the application? Where is it? Where is it? What what's going on and for me um if I pay a plumber to come and fix my sink I don't expect him to stand in the doorway and watch me trying to fumble with my sink I expect him to sort of roll his sleeves up and get in there and do the work so for me counselling represented something very I think it's great to have a space to explore everything but then there needs to be action and so for me I felt that counselling was just too slow a process and it was just through what I would have classed way back then as luck or coincidence but now I would probably consider it to be cunning internet marketing (laughs) (laughs) and um, a hypnosis course uh, locally and went and did a day and thought oh my god this is the application this is this is it So, uh, and I feel very lucky now as a a practitioner to have that combination of listening skills and non-judgmentalness, of course, and um, the sort of marriage of that with the hypnotherapy for me is, it works really well. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's, that's lovely to hear. I'm really interesting to hear. Um, um, So, so. T- tell us, t- tell me where you're at as far as hypnosis is concerned. You know, um, um, how, how do you explain it? How do you define hypnosis, if if you do? Um, and how have you arrived at that definition? And and you know, how do, how do you explain hypnosis to your clients, or how do you explain it to to people when you're kind of stuck in the kitchen uh, at parties and people are asking you about it? Well, yeah, it varies actually. So for me personally, my beliefs, I, I don't think there's any set definition of hypnosis and and for me as a practitioner I believe it's access into the imagination Mm. and once you've got access into the imagination you can make shifts within that imagination and so that would be my sort of pure sort of nugget definition and then around that comes what everyone else's beliefs are so for me to access that imagination I'm tapping into what my clients' beliefs are, what people I'm chatting with's beliefs are, because if I'm enforcing a belief of what I consider to be the definition, then I'm already breaking rapport with what they consider to be the definition, depending on whether they've got an internal locus of control or an external. So it all varies, I think, for me, where um, where that person is who's listening. Yeah. 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 I yeah. Yeah. That that, that that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense to me. Um, 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 so so tell me tell me about your influences. Tell me about um, um, books and authors that have taught you the most. Some of the teachers that have been the most influential upon you, and and, and why really? Um, I think probably. Um, my main who who isn't a hypnotherapist there's um, a chap called Irvin Yalom who's mm. a psychoanalyst and 
when I first began, because in some ways it isn't about the tutor or about the book. It's about that moment in time when you read, when you actually look at what they're offering. So for me, reading Irvin Yalom's Love's Executioner, I think was the first Mm. book, um, was at the beginning of my counselling training. And suddenly this whole world opened up where you know all the senses were taken in within a a therapy session and it was just a magical moment a magical moment and I'd gone from working on my own very very solitary in the glass field and then suddenly all of these lovely nuances about therapy came in and it was just a magical moment a magical read not a lot has been that since then I have to say um, Andrew Austin's Rainbow Machine was the next sort of tipping point. Was it Rainbow Machine? Mm, I yes. Think so. Was the next tipping point. So then I, I studied the counselling and then once I sort of started going into hypnotherapy and hypnosis, you know, seeing a whole different collection of case studies about working differently and testing beliefs and all sorts was just fantastic again you know so there were like sort of real moments of um shining really but my primary teacher um was my grandparents weirdly in Mm. that um my grandmother was uh in a wheelchair at 40, 45, because she had rheumatoid arthritis and she couldn't walk with it. She was very disabled by it. And my grandfather um, became her primary carer. And um, after, I, I don't know, in their 60s, um, my grandfather had motor neurone disease and the hospital, the doctors sort of gave him five years and he was um, the only carer for my grandmother. Mm-hmm. And consequently, he lasted 20 years. Wow. And he kept his motor neurone disease down to just his ankle. So he couldn't lift his foot very well. And he had a bit of a drop foot. But otherwise, he was, you know, walking, talking, moving. Everything was okay. And then when my grandmother passed away quite suddenly uh, my grandfather within a month the motor neurone disease had took over his whole body oh, and wow. yeah he died a month to the yeah. day I, I mean what 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 a shame um um but what what an amazing tribute to his to his 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 his, his ability to, to to deal with it for all that time previously yeah, yeah yeah and I and I do believe just as a witness you know to see that happening and to see how quickly it went through his body he didn't want to live without my grandmother you no. know it wasn't it wasn't even remotely an option and in some ways as strange as it sounds he was very fortunate to have a disease that could take him yeah just so quickly when he didn't want to be here anymore yeah that's yeah. that, that, that you know i find that absolutely fascinating and um um you know i i think really amplifies for me how a how a sense of purpose uh can can, can nourish and enrich us in in so many ways mm-hmm. 
Um, wow, yeah, that's that, that's incredible stuff. Um, um, so, so I mean, my, my next question probably 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 our answers tend to tend to pend to insignificance with with <laughs> with such an account, you know, and such a such a such a motivation underpinning a lot of what you've done. Um, um, but what have been what has been one of the most impressive applications of of hypnosis that, that you've directly witnessed? Well, that for a start. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, for me, it isn't about. You see, it's very difficult, isn't it? The because at, at stage hypnosis, that immediate sort of response when you have really suggestible people, although it's quite impressive, that's that's not what I look for really. It's about the longevity. You know how the work stays with people. So it's difficult to quantify, um, you know, going from having clients in a really bad place that don't see any point of going forward to then seeing them thrive, you know, a couple of months later where stuff has moved. For me, that self-hypnosis is incredible and magical and nothing can beat it nothing no no yeah 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 you know I, I love to hear that and I think um one of the things I've said to to many of our guests before um, um on the show has been that, that that those kind of things that that almost sometimes we run the risk of becoming blasé about because we see happening so often in our in our therapeutic environment that actually you know that these these are incredibly impressive magical uh wonderful things that are occurring um, um, so if we could, if we could turn the clock back a little bit, if you, if you go back to when you started out, you know, within this field as a hypnotherapist, as a, as a hypnosis professional, knowing, knowing what you know now, is there anything you'd do differently? And if so, what, and is there any, any advice that the person you are today would give that younger you, uh, that you that you'd consider sharing or extending to, 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 to those that are tuning into the show? Do you know what? I think probably um, if I could give my advice to myself then or new people is to have more confidence. For me, I wasn't very confident at the beginning. Um, And uh, Alan Titchmarsh, just um, (laughs) as a random aside, you know, he said plants want to grow. They want to grow. And It's then, you know, whether you put them in the right environment, the right soil. I very much wanted to grow as a therapist, grow as a hypnotherapist. And I I think probably I limited myself with not feeling confident in my skills, not feeling confident in myself. And still, you know, confidence is questionable. And I think to actually go for it and just be more confident I think is really important once the grounding's in place the training and the safety measures to actually then just trust innately in yourself really yeah Mm -hmm. I um, um, a couple of things first of all I love the fact that in my mind now Alan Titchmarsh is 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 now a confidence guru as well as a gardening guru, um, um, you know his 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 gardening wisdom uh, knows no bounds. It's just just kind of traversed uh, and transcended fields. Um, um, I, I love that. Uh, um, um, second of all, you know, I mean, I, I, I would never believe that that you know, having having met you, 
um, um, or, or, albeit fairly briefly. I, I would never believe that you that, that, that you that you struggle with with confidence. Um, um, but but I also think um, um, within our field that that on occasion, you know, I like a little bit of fragility amongst other human beings a, a little bit um, um, a, a bit that kind of keeps us humble and and ensures that we don't we don't ever become you know too too self-assured it, it, as far as therapy is concerned at least you know too too certain of of, of our own of, of our direction with clients for example um, I, I quite like it when people I, I think it keeps us keeps us at, at, at the front of our game at the top of our game to, to have some some humility and to have some you know where, where, where we take time and, and double check a little bit and 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 be sure and and have some humility um, um you know I think some of the some of the the, the most overtly seemingly confident people um, run the risk of, of being dangerous <laughs> if, we're, <laughs> if we're not careful um we're gonna we're we're gonna talk we're gonna talk to you some more um, um in a short while but but wh where can people go to learn more about you to learn more about your work your approach and and so on? Um, well, I I've set up a website called southlondontherapy.com or .co.uk one of those or both of those I don't know um, and I, I'm based in Balham and wanted something a bit more generic as a title so that. Um, it's got a wider catchment, basically, and, and more people who aren't quite sure of hypnotherapy and can just sort of tentatively think about therapy can um, access it easier. So, yeah, yeah that's Great. pretty much. Great. Yeah, and we'll have um, there will be a link to um, to that site with the with the correct ending. Um, um, on it, uh, well, well, I'll make sure that that's the case. Um, um, there'll be a link to Tracy's website over at this uh, this this page of the Hypnosis Weekly episode uh, um, um, website, and also in the um, in the episode notes at iTunes or Stitcher or whichever uh, podcast provider you're using. Uh, we will be back with Tracy Grist in a few minutes' time. Stay tuned. I really enjoyed that. Uh, more from Tracy shortly. Um, this week, our usual hypnosis in the news section returns. Some light relief from my monologues and uh, protestations of recent weeks. Um, and I've got two media stories to discuss with you uh, with a similar theme. Um, and the first one is uh, um, uh, on the uh, Australian TV and showbiz news um, and an article entitled Ben Fordham. Uh, reveals how being hypnotised to stop drinking beer and eating chocolate helped him lose an impressive 10 kilograms in six months. Um, and uh, so this is this is on the, uh, on the Daily Mail. Um, and uh, yeah, so this uh, the TV presenter in Australia, uh, Ben Fordham, has revealed how being hypnotised helped him lose this weight. Uh, he's in his early 40s and was on a show and um, um, w w was describing how unbelievably good 
to use his words, um, uh, hypnosis has been. And he said that um, I mean, he met a hypnotherapist um, um, who, who explained that he could be hypnotized into not eating chocolate ice cream lollies and drinking as much wine and beer as he was previously. Um, um, and um, uh, I have a slight a slight issue, as, as you would probably expect. Um, um, I love these success stories. Um, um, I don't, I'm, I'm not fully on board with this notion that, 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 that I can hypnotize you to do something. Um, um, you, you know, I, I tend to think that it's more more collaborative and um, it, it kind of gives this impression that it's a sort of passive approach a little bit um, with that kind of terminology that gets used a great deal in, in the media. Um, um, I think um, it involves more than just passively turning up and being zapped um, and so on. Um, um, but nonetheless, it's a great story that's uh, um, um, ha- had a lot of circulation. And um, um, the uh, uh, Ben Fordham is uh, host of Ninja Warriors. So his new kind of svelte uh, waistline is, um, um, is, 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 is much more apt and appropriate uh, on the show that he presents now. The uh, second story um, is close to there, in fact. Um, uh, and this is uh, entitled How This Auckland Woman Lost 30 Kilograms Through Hypnosis. And this is uh, about a lady called Kathy Cowan. Her life was transformed with only one single session. And uh, thanks to an imaginary gastric band that she had fitted. And uh, those of you that are, that are tuning in, of course, you're going to be aware of this. You're going to know about gastric band. Um, and the hypnotherapists uh, are aware of that and know uh, about it. Um, the evidence to support it is not impressive. Um, um, and um, but you know this this particular lady had 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 this great success, and it is um, an exceptional success from a single session um, that, that, that that had such a wonderful effect upon her. Um, one of my one of my slight challenges, um, I think, on occasions um, with with stories like this is that. Um, um, I think people tend to think, therefore, that it's representative of the entire field uh, that, that are doing gastric bands, um, that, that people are achieving this kind of, of, of effect from single sessions. Um, and and, and that, 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 that's a bit of a, you know, that, that, that's an unsubstantiated uh, claim. Um, um, it's certainly an unsubstantiated assumption that anybody could make from reading this particular story. Um, I think it's wonderful that... Um, that, that that the public will read about these these wonderful um, um, impacts and effects that can that that, that, that can be uh, achieved with hypnosis for sure, and um, you know it, it's it, it's going to create positive expectation and um, um, reinforce the, the perceived power of hypnosis and so on. I just think that that expectation sometimes will benefit from being kept realistic as well. Um, if, for example, somebody didn't have exactly the same kind of uh, response and impact in the same period of time, for example, um, um, with the same number of sessions, you know, very low sessions, um, um, you know, that then... Um, I mean, it, it, it may have a sort of sort of adverse effect on, you know, people thinking, well, hypnosis is not working. It doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for everybody. Whereas, you know, explaining in these early stages that perhaps um, a good comprehensive uh, uh, treatment plan, which, you know, the vast majority of the evidence tends to suggest having a good long term perspective as far as weight reduction applications are concerned, um, will be really useful and, 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 and much better. Um, nonetheless, this is a great article. You know, both of these articles are really, really wonderful um, 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 and, um, uh, you know, g- great publicity as far as we're concerned. 
and you know I, I'm always delighted to read them. Um, next up we have, and, and that's it, you know, there, there we have hypnosis in the news with no frothing mouth from me. Uh, well, we have this week's um, professional discussion next, and I welcome back Tracy Grist. And we're talking about her work with, with narcissistic abuse and complex trauma. And then we go on to discuss her work and her role as chair of the NCH currently and her vision, the vision that she has for the organisation and, um, and, and its role in the hypnotherapy field. And I think you'll find much to enjoy in this discussion. Um, um, towards the end, we had a couple of sort of technical challenges and so on, and we had to sort of pause the recording a couple of times and just edit a little bit um, towards the end. So if there's a little bit of chopping and changing in, in, in the sound um, 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 towards the end there, um, um, just bear with us. Uh, thanks for that. Okay. Enjoy uh, this week's professional discussion with Tracy Grist. So I'm rejoined um, by this week's guest, Tracy Grist. And um, um, when I was communicating um, with, with Tracy about and, and, and persuading her to, to come onto the, the podcast um, and asking her about... Um, uh, uh, about this second section of the show um, and the subjects that that, that that she was speaking about, you know, one of the things I really wanted her to come on and speak about um, um, was the NCH. But, but little did I know at that time that actually, you know, Tracy specialises in, has a has a professional interest in, in a very specific area that I think is is, is fascinating for all to, to learn a little bit more about. Um, um, Tracy, welcome back. So we're going to one of the areas that you specialize in or that you um, um, that you lean towards is is that the, the topic the area of narcissistic abuse and complex trauma um, um, can you can you tell us a little bit first of all about, about what are we talking about here when we talk about narcissistic abuse or, or complex trauma typically what what does that mean and, and what does that involve I think for me um, so it's an area that I'm interested in and if we took out the word narcissism and just replaced it currently with selfish mm. you know it, it's about selfish people and being around selfish people people who put their needs before yours and so if you're a child growing up and you have a parent who has a child to serve their needs, it's managing the fallout of that once that child becomes an adult. Mm. Um, so for me, although narcissism is a bit of a buzzword at the moment and we see it as a, a, a psychopathic thing, it is a scale where you can have, you know, Trump at one end, thanks Trump, to mm. demonstrate that, you know, something who thinks, somebody who thinks the world completely revolves around them. And that can go right down the scale to just being selfish and, you know, being a, a selfish parent or being a selfish sibling. And so... It doesn't have to necessarily be Machiavellian or dark. It can just be that there is lack of empathy and that the empathy is what, what we need to create loving relationships. And once the empathy sort of gets less, it's harder to be around people when you have empathy. Mm. So it's managing relationships, essentially, and managing your self-worth. 
yeah, yeah. That, 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 that's fascinating I mean absolutely fascinating um, um, I have uh, I have I have a, a very specialist interest in some of the related um, some of the related subjects to that with with regards to attachment disorder amongst children in particular um, um, so I'm really interested in this so, so so tell me tell me a little bit you know how, how did your interest develop in that area you know how, how have you fostered that kind of that kind of interest first of all well you know my grandparents <laughs> <laughs> yeah well you know my grandmother was disabled and my grandfather so there's there's other layers to this but I think this is the easiest sort of example um I'm Welsh and I come from a Welsh family and they're all you know South Walian and um my grandmother had two sons my dad and my uncle and I used to go and stay with my grandmother and um whilst my family went some somewhere else because I really liked being with them and I could watch it from a, a different perspective I suppose when I was really young my grandmother so oh, sorry this is a bit complicated but my family lived a couple of hours away so we would only see them once every six weeks say whereas my uncle Royston my dad's brother lived mm. down the road <clears throat> so when we would arrive at my grandmother grandmothers my grandma would say to my dad oh Royston's been wonderful and he's picked my tomatoes he's done this he's done that and she would wax lyrical about my uncle Royston and my dad would be sort of twitching in the background going that's fine that's fine oh. and then of course my mum and dad and my brother would go to um away and I'd stay with my grandparents and then my uncle Royston would come round and my grandma would go oh Ian Ian my dad Ian's been amazing he's fixed my washing machine he's done this he's done that and from just sort of sitting on the sidelines I watched my grandmother make both my dad and my uncle feel pretty rubbish about themselves compared to their siblings so that then yeah. they would work harder to feed you know uh, my grandmother yeah yeah fantastic you know so those little dynamics can go on and on and ripple throughout families yeah if if you're sort of brought up in that environment where you've been told that your sibling you know in without words have been sort of implied that your sibling is better it creates this sibling rivalry and all sorts of things and and the result is not feeling good enough and either then sort of detaching or becoming anxious and overly attaching so there are reactions to each of these sort of dynamics that are happening if that makes sense yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that is fascinating. Um, um, so, so tell me then, um, um, what, what, what can we do? And, and you know, what, what, what's your approach? What are some of the, some of the ways in which, in, in which we can help with that? I think one of the key, so there's some key readings, um, which I'll um, uh, send you over a couple of links. And one of the key ones especially as therapists actually um have you heard of elaine aaron um no i haven't okay so she's this american 
psychologist. Now, I'm not particularly sciencey, so whether these tests are 100% accurate, I don't know. But she's she's done this test and has discovered that 30% of the population, male, female, animals, um, sasquatches, whatever, are more sensitive. So um, we feel more, we hear more, we see, taste. There's just more. And so our range of sensitivity is greater. And one of the first things, and particularly when you've grown up in an environment that can be, um, I don't like the word triggering. So when you grow up in an environment that you feel not good enough in, you will work on these senses to feel more. So you can actually develop them. And I think, you know, there's some sort of rationale between being psychic or, you know, all of those terms that suggest more sensitivity, that actually we get used to hearing. So I had a client who said I could tell her, her mother had a curtain with wooden um curtain rings and she could tell with the sound that they clacked together you know that clack 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 she could tell what her mum was going to be like when she woke up whether she was going to be aggressive or get up in a mood so we develop these other senses which are just our own senses greater and so elaine aaron and, and she's got a quiz has this uh website where you can check your sensitivity so as much as you get people who are on this higher scale of sensitivity and once we sort of get to know ourselves and get to recognize that actually if we are a bit more sensitive then we need more downtime and then it's learning to put our needs first because a lot of the clients that I work with who have grown up in a a abusive environment have learned to put the other's needs first and so it's recognizing that a little bit of selfishness is good self-care and developing um the self does that have a, does yeah 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 off? yeah that's you know that, 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 that's fascinating absolutely um mm. um and is it is there a or, or does there does there even need to be a a kind of philosophy that, that underpins your approach then um, um, um is there is there a kind of approach that or, or is there a flavor to your approach that lends itself particularly well do you think to to the, to the nature of this order uh, i'm not sure that i understand your question but i'm gonna do you know i was having a drink as you do with a couple of friends and thought actually a really good um really we were talking about not feeling good enough and all of those things that go around it and it's i i call it eve's syndrome uh, the empty vessel syndrome that people carry around this jar inside them and you know when we're healthy that jar is half full 
And there's yeah. space within that jar to take on other people's thinking or to work with so we can grow and develop and we can be. But when we feel unworthy and not good enough, we're walking around with this empty jar. And what we do is we fill up that empty jar with other people's things, other people's hobbies, other people's ideas, other people's what makes them happy because we want to make them happy. rather than working on ourselves so the philosophy for me is about filling that empty jar within and making sure that at all times it's half full with our stuff and what we want and what we need and then the other half can be filled with people around us I think is is that yeah you know you know I I mean it's fascinating it's absolutely fascinating and and um, I really appreciate that. Uh, you know, it's re- really interesting to understand that. And I'm guessing, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I, I've been looking for a way of uh, kind of bridging over for us to for us to speak about the the, the NCH because um, 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 some of you, some of you, your interest in in then serving the wider field, um, yeah. um, um, and and by becoming involved in the NCH. Um, um, you know, has has some parallels with regards with regards to the nature of of what we're talking about here. I'm guessing. Well, I, I think part of the reason why I wanted to get involved in the NCH is I think, as therapists, we are in such a privileged position that you know we have been given an opportunity to have to sit with people who open to us. And with us and I don't believe we should shoulder that responsibility alone for the safety of us for the safety of others and that we're not although we're one-to-one in that therapy room we have the protection we have the armor we have the safety of something around us that says we're not alone I mean part of the reason why I initially became involved in the NCH is because you know, I'd experienced loneliness as a maker. And for me, I I chose to come into this to feel part of a group and, and to feel belonging. Yeah. Because for me, that was really important. And it still is really important. And for me, the NCH represents that, that not only does it provide safety for us in practice and protection, it provides us with an opportunity to all work together. And that's that to me is magical. You know, how how fortunate are we that we're not in this alone? It's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um you know, I think um um the reason what you know what, what one of the reasons that, that I've I've been so interested in developing things like peer support groups and ongoing support for for for, for my own community around the college has been for that reason, you know, that it can be quite isolating to be out there. Um, yeah. um, and, and, you know, I, I, I love that. Um, um, you know, what, what, so, so in addition to, in addition to your, your reasons for wanting to come and get involved, you know, there's, there's, there's having a sense of community on one hand and, and, and getting involved a little bit, but also I'm guessing, I'm guessing that, that in order to, to take on the role that you have, which mm. is, you know, the the role, one of one of the most prominent roles 
in in the UK hypnotherapy field full stop um, um, is is it's, it, you know, it's no mean feat. It's a big thing. So I'm guessing that that going on to become chairperson um, um, of that organisation, you know, in the, 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 there's a sense of purpose behind it, or there's a there's a vision that you have behind it, or something that's driving that. Because um, I shouldn't imagine, you know, it's not it, it's it's not an easy role. <laughs> I'm just still laughing you know one of the and this has come to mind so I'm really sorry it's going to sound really tacky but if you take the I out of chairperson it becomes char person and I'm pretty good at making the tea so <laughs> right that's right. pretty much where yeah I, I've very fortunately have this role because I'm kind of not a details person and I'm not very good at any one thing you know I am a bit of a jack you're, you're, you're the pretty face is that what you're saying you're oh. the poster <laughs> you're the poster girl for for, for the organization is that what you're telling me I'm that no I'm the person who makes the tea <laughs> I'm the feeder so um no I think you know I'm the glue I, I everyone that on the team, the board, you know, we've all got positions as directors or executives. So the directors are the volunteers and the executives are the officers that keep the machine running, thankfully. So all together, we work as a really bloody good team. And so everyone who's in their director's roles, they're in it because they're good at that stuff. And when I first came on, I came on as membership uh, services. I was really rubbish, really rubbish. <laughs> I couldn't organise, you know, a, a, a brewery drink, let alone um, a conference. So I was, I was really rubbish. And you know, for me, it's about group work, and maybe that's my strength: is people working together. I don't know. Making cups of tea, yes group working I don't know I just sort of I think maybe everyone has the space to get on with what they're really good at you know that's what we want to do essentially we want to yeah. work what we're really good at we don't want to work at things that we're not good at it's much easier to do stuff that we're good at and I think pretty much everyone in their role are really good at what they do and yeah. they, and I just sort of make the tea yeah <laughs> well you know one of the things one of the things you mentioned briefly there um, and one of the th you know about bringing people together, and one of the things that that I think makes a lot of sense with regards to some of the interest that you've had in 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 f you know familial relationships and and you know the, 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 this discussion we had earlier about narcissistic abuse is you know having a look at some of the mechanisms that stand out um, and complex relationships that that, that exist and, and bringing people together. One of the things. Um, one of the things that um, I was really struck by when 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 we met um, was was you talking about you talking to me um, um, uh, about wanting to bring to bring people together and wanting to bring more of the field together and um, you, you know I, I think. Um, um, you've certainly done that as far as I'm concerned um, um, you know as far as me personally is concerned and my college is concerned because you know I had I, 
I had grown tired of a lot of hypnotherapy associations full stop, but but the NCH in particular with 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 with, with where I felt it it, it was going um, in previous in previous years, and you know so for me I've seen I've seen a lot of development within the NCH during your own tenure, which I think is a, is a real credit to, you know to you. Did you yeah. was yeah. that your vision starting out, and and you know has that been something that you've been seeking to? To, you know actively to do and then also you know what, what, what's the vision going forward I think for me I sort of flip between metaphors really for me the uh, the NCH we've been raising the Titanic <laughs> do you know yeah. it, it could be glorious it could be a real beauty do you know I I feel that it has all of these incredible assets that need need to be explored and shared. And so, but in the same breath, you know, I do liken it to a hoarder's house where there are so many piles of things where you go from one thing to another thing and then realise that the original pile is still there, but only a little bit. So there's a what the i think we've been putting in the foundations and that's not to say that previous foundations haven't been they've just got old and so we've been reconstructing the nch we we changed our tagline i I don't know if anyone notices taglines to the home for hypnotherapy because Mm. that's essentially what we want to be you know there are brilliant people practicing hypnotherapy brilliant people promoting hypnotherapy but actually if we can be that safe haven where then people can go you know like yourself with all of your study and your scientific mind like have a rock that you can then go and work from and I think to be that safe, everyone is going to be different. Everyone is going to have variety. But it's how to hold that for me as the NCH, that we can have all of these different arenas and be just safe and stable. I'm really passionate about it and I might be a bit tongue-tied. But... No, I get that. You know, I think I think I think that makes uh, you know a, a, a lot of sense. And I think uh, it's a really interesting um, um, one. One of the metaphors um, um, in, that, that you had in there, that this idea of uh, a house of hoarders, for example, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I think is probably um, a good way of describing the. You know, it's quite representative of the entire hypnotherapy field. And so whilst I do think that it's good that we have these, these small communities supporting each other, that we have a, you know, that, that, that I have a community where people, um, you know, from my own college are supported. Um, I, think, I think that we run the risk in some corners of becoming closed to all of those other communities that are out there. And um, um, that, 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 that good quality, well-run, inclusive um, organisations um, um, give give people some exposure to that, um, um, in and, and if you can do it in a safe fashion, then then brilliantly done. Yeah, I just think for me, you know, I, if I go on Facebook, I'm in, in however many groups there are with hypnotherapy, and everyone <laughs> has the right way. Yeah. 
and and it's finding a place where everyone can have the right way but other people can have their right way and so it's finding that harmony and that space to hold different belief systems different ideas about what what we're doing what we're creating but to actually get that boat up and going forwards I've got a I've got a picture in front of me, which this is a bit boring, but it's the accredited registers workforce and they've got and I'll send it to you. I don't know if you can put it up, but what it does is it talks about all the registers. So the um, NCH work with the CNHC and just to see what how tiny, tiny we are in this registered field for complementary therapy it's phenomenal and yet I know there are thousands and millions of hypnotherapists out there and do you know what if we can work from a collective source and actually we can be to me it's a no-brainer hypnotherapy is a fantastic fantastic way of getting people better and getting better so the only difficulty is i think is as hypnotherapists we're mavericks all all of us individually you know that's why we become self-employed that's why we like hypnotherapy because we like questioning everything and then it's sort of it's not even it is rounding cats it's not rounding sheep up you know and i i feel that what's stopping us as a field from moving forward is our own individuality and finding a way to harmonize that to move forward as an industry yeah 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 yeah. you know i um um, you know, there, there, there's so much, so much there that, that really resonates with me, Tracy. You know, it's it's lovely um, um, to hear you say that that those things. Um, um, if people want to go and find more about out about the NCH, um, um, where do they go? Uh, www.hypnotherapists.org.uk. Now I can remember that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean that, that one just that, that one just fell out uh, uh, so automatically and beautifully. Um, um, then, then, then you citing your own website. Yeah. Um, um, lovely, lovely. You know, at the moment we're going through some website changes, so we're hoping to get a new website launched as soon as, so it might look like one thing one day and transform to another, you know, who knows when the, uh, uh, butterfly will form, but it's on on the way. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great. You know, I think um, um, my experience of having met yourself and the other guys, you know, most of the other guys, um, I had slightly more contact with a couple than others. Um, um, Nick in particular, um, um, he's a good guy. You know, he he had to put up with me making demands for, you know, jars jars full of blue M&Ms and whipped cream on the side uh, at this year's NCH conference. and, and he did it with such, you know, he provided everything I asked for, all my crazy demands um, with such humility and decorum. It was lovely. Um, um, but but the, the, the entire team, I think, um, um, you know, you're, you're really, uh, really doing a great job there at the NCH. And the no, NCH is becoming an organisation um, um, that, 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 that it deserves to be once again. For me, our directors and our executives are really important on the board in that, they are putting NCH members' needs first rather than their own. And I think 
that's a crucial foundation block in what what you need to be when you're on the board and to think about everything in the bigger picture scheme because once we start sort of having an overinflated ego and start thinking this is what should happen rather than what's wanted to happen it it it's it causes wobbly grounds so as long as we're sort of getting feedback from our members feedback from the public that we're doing the right job then i think we're doing the right job and i think just a sort sort of final when i became involved in hypnotherapy i'm not a one of those people who researches things you know i just find out what's the nearest and go for the nearest because it's near and i don't know if that's being a mum and trying to fit 50 things in the day but and i don't do the research into things i've i'm a bigger picture thinker and so for me there are a lot of people out there who have done hypnotherapy training or thought they've done hypnotherapy training and it turns out they've been on a course that isn't up to you know our standards or up to general standards and it's only when I think when one's invested the money and doing the training that they realize I certainly for me you know you realize there is more out there there's more to learn there's more deeper training more in-depth training different variations and I think it's getting that across to people that it's okay to do more if they want to do more I think there's a lot of judgment going on with people who have only done like weekend courses or what have you and it's how do we get those people to meet the basic standards and the basic requirements so getting people up to a certain level of training and they feel safe to say oh well I, I want to do more I need to do more and I think that's really key as well without as I see quite often people being shot down for not knowing enough or doing xyz course and you know if if people are going to get shot down right at the early stages they're going to feel fearful and withdraw and that's no good for anyone really does that make sense yes it does it does that's um um, and you know i think that is um a a a really good message and that um um that, that, that that perhaps you know engaging engaging with those people rather than shooting them down and helping yeah. help help helping educate them if 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 that's what they want more of um um and and advancing the field accordingly is 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 a really important aim for all of us yeah yeah i mean we've we've got the hpd which causes contention with people who don't have the hpd but as far as i'm concerned it's a basic standard you know it's not difficult to do once you've got the training it's one of those things that say right i've met a minimum standard now i know it's a bloody brilliant tick box to crack on with you know then going and specializing or consolidating your knowledge what have you and i think for me that's the key is if we can get everyone meeting this minimum standard of training and then we're in a much better position to start moving this hypnotherapy industry forward you know so i think there's there's such a 
bigger picture going on yeah that 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 you know it's a hoarder's house there's stuff yeah. and stuff there and stuff there and how do we pull it together and i for me that's what our hpd represents really yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um um it was, it's, it's been so lovely hearing you, it's, um, uh, hearing you speaking this way and um, um, re-refreshing. Um, um, Tracy, thank you ever so much for coming and being a guest, uh, this week's guest on the Hypnosis Weekly podcast. Um, um, for people that are interested, there'll be links to uh, uh, the sites and some of the references that Tracy's made uh, um, during our discussion. Um, um, yes, so Tracy Grist, thank you for being this week's guest. <laughs> Thanks very much, Adam. Thank you for having me and listening to me talk absolute twaddle. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Uh, it was lovely speaking to speaking to Tracy, and there was no twaddle there at all. Um, there are links to the sites that Tracy mentioned over at this uh, episode's page of the Hypnosis Weekly website and at the episode notes on iTunes for those of you that tune in there. So um, our evidence-based factoid of the week is this. Um, I mean, it's a, hypnosis makes improvements in lives of those suffering with fibromyalgia at three and six month follow-up at least. So um, um, this is a, a 2013 paper that I'm referring to entitled Hypnosis for Management of Fibromyalgia uh, by Pascal Picard and colleagues. Um, and this was a randomized controlled trial that contrasted the effects of five um, sessions of hypnosis spread over a period of two months in a, a group of 59 women um, who all had fibromyalgia. Um, they were randomly assigned to um, the treatment group um, you know, the, the experimental group or a control group that was a waiting list. Um, um, as, as people will know, people get better um, um, when they're simply put on a waiting list um, um, for treatment. Um, um, so the, 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 the patients that were in the, the treated group, the experimental group, uh, were encouraged to practice self-hypnosis in addition to their um, the, 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 the hypnosis sessions. Um, and a number of scales were used um, in order to, 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 to see the difference that these sessions made. And there was a fibromyalgia impact questionnaire. There was an MOS sleep scale, um, a multidimensional fatigue inventory, um, a cognitive strategy questionnaire, and um, a patient global impression of change that were all administered um, um, at a baseline. So uh, uh, you know, before, the, uh, before the treatment had begun, before the experiment had begun. Um, and then three months um, um, after the conclusion of the study. And then at six months after the conclusion um, of, of the study, after, after the study had, had, had completed, the treatment had, had finished. Um, so compared to the control group, the hypnosis group reported um, 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 better treatment on the patient, um, um, better improvement rather, on um, the, the, the patient's global impression of change um, at both uh, um, um, three months and six months. And there was a significant improvement in, in the sleep scales and a significant improvement in the, um, um, the cognitive strategy questionnaire, um, 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 in particular with regards to the dramatization 
question subscale. Um, and that is a subscale within that questionnaire that identifies so sort of anxiety and catastrophization and things like that. Um, and those are improvements were, were, were maintained um, and were significantly um, um, notable uh, at the six month follow up. Um, um, so, you know, a really impressive study. Um, and there is a link to the research paper um, included on this episode's page of the Hypnosis Weekly website, as always. Um, and if you follow me on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram, you can find masses of memes that I put together relating to a variety of study whereby a variety of studies, I should say, whereby hypnosis has been examined, um, um, great ways to, uh, uh, to, to, to share the evidence um, um, and, and, and you know, support your work out there in the world. So that is it for this week's 120th edition. I do hope you enjoyed it. Um, I've got many more exciting guests that are welcome to Hypnosis Weekly in coming editions. We'll be discussing, debating, celebrating, and above all, remaining friends. Um, next episode, I'll be welcoming Lorraine Gleason to the show. All the references made in the discussions, along with related links, are posted at each episode on the Hypnosis Weekly website, www.hypnosis-weekly.com. And I absolutely welcome your thoughts, comments, suggestions and questions. So please do message me or add them on the Hypnosis Weekly website and I'll make sure that they are addressed, answered and explored accordingly. Um, do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter and anywhere else. Really help us reach the hypnosis field. My thanks again go to Tracy Grist and my thanks to you as always for tuning in. My name is Adam Eason. This has been Hypnosis Weekly. Until next time, goodbye for now. Mm-hmm.